Hello and welcome to the Rise and Thrive podcast. I'm Erin Warhol and I'm here with Mary Hayes Greco. Here we are again. Hi, everybody. Yes, here we are. So, Mary, this week we are talking about humility and you have a wonderful working understanding of humility that's very practical. Something that I saw modeled all of the time with my teacher, Dr. Edith Stauffer, who was my mentor and uh, role model. And she had some really good thoughts to offer around what it means to be here on purpose in a humble way. And we'll just give you the sneak preview that it doesn't mean you're taking a back seat Mm. when you're humble. It doesn't mean you're being less than you can be. It actually means that you are fully occupying the space that is yours and the job that is yours. So I hope you will enjoy some of the thinking that we share on the podcast uh, this day, previously recorded podcast, and uh, ever fresh, I'm told. Little darling, it's been a long, long, lonely winter. Welcome to the Life Gets Better Now podcast with Mary Hayes Greco. On today's show, a discussion about humility. I'm producer Erin Warhol, and I'm here with author and spiritual teacher Mary Hayes Greco. Hi, Erin. Hey, Mary. So as we've been exploring the different tools in the toolkit of self-mastery, humility, you say, is a really important one, a key principle. I think so, because it both guides us into expressing our fullest potential, Mm -hmm. which is kind of counterintuitive to how people think of humility, usually. And it helps us to uh, be of use in this world, to really be of service to people in situations that uh, we're called upon. And so a lot of times people think of humility as being sort of like in the lowest position of a situation, putting yourself in the lowest position. Yeah, you don't want to like, you know, put your foot forward. You want to, you know, kind of keep your head down and not assume too much and, and don't make much of yourself, that sort of thing. A lot of us were trained in what I think of as a false notion of humility, mm. which is a little bit akin to shame, oh, a little bit akin yeah. to like, you know, shut up, don't make too much of yourself sort yeah. of thing. And, uh, and I think a lot of us struggle between, uh, at, at certain moments when we feel like, gosh, you know, I feel like it's time for me to let my light shine. Mm-hmm. I'm being asked to to become more truly and beautifully who I really am. And uh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid mm-hmm. to let my light shine. And I was trained to be humble. So what do I do with that? So in your understanding of humility and the fact that you do say that it's a really important tool, and I agree with that, but how do you describe what is sort of the right stance with humility or what what would your definition be well I have two working definitions that I've come up with over the years and the first one is that humility is taking one's rightful place in the Mm. universe bringing that down to daily life it's taking your rightful place in this situation in this family in this at this party in this uh, program in this this project at work there's a place that's yours and yours alone and to be able to to recognize it and step into it is actually a humble thing 
Cool. I, I like that. I kind of have to take that in a little bit and think about it. But taking your rightful place. And so how does humility relate to power, to our power? I think there's really a beautiful relationship between humility and power. And I, I think that power in, in the human being, power is really being yourself. It's really allowing the beauty and energy and light and creativity and love of your soul to pour through you mm-hmm. unimpeded. So so humility, so power is the unimpeded expression of the best of you mm-hmm. into the world. And cool. yeah, I know. <laughs> and I came to this one day when I was sitting by an amazing waterfall near the Temperance River up mm. in northern Minnesota, where I was I was sitting nearby there, and it, it, I just watched this river, it's been traveling for a while, come to this edge where it then just lets go and goes over the edge, and it's mm. this amazing, glorious, thunderous uh, waterfall. So for me, the waterfall was a really beautiful metaphor of spiritual surrender, where you've been following the flow of your life uh-huh. through the landscape, and it gets to a certain point where you're just going to go. You're going to yeah. go somewhere that, yeah. that you've been headed for, and you're just going to let go and go there. <laughs> and it's beautiful. <laughs> and the water just is falling and falling and falling. And and it's it's humble. It's not resisting. It's yeah. not making anything of itself. But by being itself and following the flow of its life and 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 surrendering to the shape of the landscape, the shape of, of its destiny, it becomes this amazing thing. Just ma- majestic. Majestic, majestic. Yeah. So so I was thinking about that uh, by the waterfall one day. And another time I was, uh, around that same time, I was doing some therapy. And my therapist, who was really astute and no-nonsense, mm-hmm. she said, Mary, what is your deal with... Why why are you scattering your power all the time? Oh. Why are you always sabotaging yourself and and uh uh draining out your intentions like not focusing and why are you letting stuff take you off track? Why are you allowing your power to be scattered again and again? And I said, "Well, um I don't I was raised by really modest people. I was yeah. raised by people who told me not to, you know, make much of myself or not to, I don't know, you you were not rewarded for expressing your power where where I came from. And she says, but what? But what do you? I, I said because they were teaching us humility. They were teaching us humility. Oh, and yeah. She says, but what do you think humility is? And this came right out of my intuition. It said, humility is taking your rightful place in the universe. Huh. And that was kind of a moment for me of of turning a corner around, hmm, well, if life is asking me to stand up, step forward, and shine a little bit, it's actually a form of arrogance for me not to do it. Right, right. So this was something I was chewing on for a few years. Hmm. I, I love your river and waterfall metaphor because it, it makes a lot of sense. It's it's very powerful, and yet it's also doing what it's there to do. And so when you were talking earlier, you mentioned a false sense of humility. How would you define a false sense of humility? 
the false sense of humility you see when someone receives a compliment and they go, oh, no, 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 and they don't take it in. Yeah. They wouldn't pause and say, oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And allow it to become part of themselves, this this positive perception that someone's sharing. That's a false sense of humility. Um, just holding back, keeping yourself down, yeah. and not allowing yourself to flow forward as your dreams are are saying, "Come hither, come hither, this way, yeah, this way for your for your." It, I'm, I'm sort of stumbling around this, but it's almost like you're saying, "Well, I know better. I know better than the full than the flow." If you're not like humility is, I go with this larger orchestration of what my life is about and when we're not in that humility going along with the with the beautiful picture that is being created we're actually being arrogant obstructive and arrogant yeah so and in fact i mean most of the creations that we are invited to are not uh anything that's going to ultimately save the world or Mm -hmm. uh you know win you a a, a, an oscar nomination or (laughs) some most of us are not operating on a level of great fame and and fortunate impact it's for many of us it's it's more work a day than that but uh i think also a lot of people hold back from starting things Mm -hmm. that we dream of starting because we're really afraid we're not going to get it perfectly yeah we're not going to get it just we're not going to be the best one of doing this thing right we're not going to get it perfect and so so we hold back and i like to look at nature and it's all outness it is all out. It's all out, yeah. right? I mean, even like the simplest little daisy on the prairie. Yeah, it's going for it. It's blooming, man. Mm. It is blooming. It is waving in the wind, and it's saying, I'm yellow, I'm white, I'm a daisy, I love you. <laughs> you know, it's it's not staying curled up and saying, oh, I don't know, you know, I'm just a daisy. I'm yeah. Just, you know, it's, the, it's not holding back. Nature does not hold back. And we are always in, in some kind of a... Uh, tussle with our egos yeah. around holding back and expressing ourselves. Oh, totally. Because I could, I mean, I can see, I mean, if you have a natural exuberance, but you are socialized in this culture, you you might have been trained into, you know, settle down a little bit, settle mm-hmm. down and put a and lid on it, please. Put a lid on it. Yeah. But so humility is allowing what wants to come through us to come through us. Allowing it to come through us. Yes. Oh, and wow. Yes. Yes. And sometimes we are given the opportunity to step forward and uh, go for it, so mm-hmm. to speak, to be to uh, compete for something, to be to be the top something or other in this this area yeah. or that. And um, there's not there's nothing wrong with um, stepping into that if it's yours. I like to think about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah. And the way that again and again, he struggled with his place as a leader mm. in the civil rights movement. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but again and again, he kept thinking, you know, I'm not qualified. I'm not mm. qualified. I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm just this. I'm not, I'm not that. I don't know enough about organizations. I don't know enough about this. I'm, I, you know, ah. And yet the mysterious force of that movement kept coming to him and yeah. saying, here's your microphone. Tell it, say it. Yeah. And what if he had held back? Right. Because he thought he didn't have enough degrees. Right. <laughs> oh, it's hard to even imagine. I know. Well, it, it, it's reminding me of that wonderful quote from Marianne Williamson. And I did bring it, and I'll mm. read it if you care to hear it. You can't hear it enough. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? 
Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. That's right. I love that. That's right. Because a lot of times I think, and maybe this is more so with women, uh, I don't know, but sometimes it's sort of like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to make someone else feel bad by shining my light or, you know, they'll be jealous. Oh, I just, you know, but to think about the idea that humility is actually shining as bright as God would have you shine. In every, in whatever situation you're in. And some situations are not about being in front and being on stage and being a leader. Some are simply about uh, making the coffee in the AA meeting every week or staying after the party. You're always the one that stays after and cleans up after Mm -hmm. the party. Why? Well, for some reason, it's yours to do. For some reason, you end up liking to do that and you do it it's easy for you to do it you do it it's your humble service so it's interesting the inquiry around humility really asks us to look at where we're meant to shine Mm -hmm. yeah and what is our place what is the place that's calling for us to step into so i remember i had a moment with this some years ago and uh i would say it was the moment when uh my spirit my own soul and my community of students was, was asking me to step forward and just really claim the mastery of this forgiveness work that I teach. Oh, yeah. I'd, had, I'd been teaching it for 15 years. I have a friend who's an artist. who She has a theory, the 15-year theory oh. of mastery. She feels like nobody is really the master of anything before 15 years. Okay. And many people can be the master of many things if they stick with it for 15 years. Well, I, was, I found that to be true in my case. And I'd had a few workshops in a row in which, gosh, these amazing healings were happening, these amazing uh, restorations of soul were happening with these terrible stories resolving and healing. And and You were leading these workshops. I was leading these forgiveness workshops. And uh, I had a a group of students with me at the time that were traveling through with me for a whole year, and they were kind of observing me go to this whole new level of my deal, my my whole thing. And they were also observing that I was still kind of self-effacing and insecure and acting like uh, I was, you know, I I was always like looking at what I did wrong Mm. instead of just really claiming the power of what I had just um, facilitated. So, so they were, they were calling me on it. These, these few students, they're saying, you know, Mary, you keep referring to Edith uh, your teacher as as the master and the wise woman and the the teacher of this work and you know she's she's been gone now for some years and you're it you're doing it you've taken it to a whole new level you you need to just stand in your power you need to stand in your mastery as this teacher of this forgiveness work and i was like oh i i i I just don't know if I can. I mean, she was so amazing, and I just always felt like she was the one, she was the yeah. guru, and I'm just following along, and still, they're like, uh, no, Mayor, <laughs> no, you've been living this deeply, widely, you've been uh, experimenting with it, you've been having all these breakthroughs with it personally and with clients. No, you need to stand up and take the mantle. They had to like literally use the word, take the mantle. You need yeah. to take the mantle of this work and be the master of this work and be proud and step forward with that shine on you about it. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know, I don't know. And this, this was at the end of this one of these amazing workshops, and I was sitting with this group of five people, and one of them, who I dearly love, said, 
you know what, you you got to cross, there's a line you have to cross. And, yeah. and I had been in the workshop having a few people kind of cross over a line between who they had been thinking of themselves as being in the past yeah. and who they're claiming. It's very powerful. So they, I know. So the, he drew the line in the carpet. Here, Here's your line, Mary. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. And he says, we'll help you. And he said, come on, guys. And these five or six people stood up, and they came, and they, they like, hoisted me up, you know, like like a, a, like a player at the end of a game. They hoisted me up, and they hoisted me up high, and they carried me laughing over this line of claiming my spot wow. with, with mastery. And I was laughing and crying a little bit. And and then they, they put me gently down on the other side of the line, and uh, – I felt different. It's funny. I felt different. And one of them said, you know, I, I, I think I saw your teacher standing in the room. She was in spirit then. She, yeah. I think I saw Edith standing in the corner of the room smiling and nodding. And I, I believed her because Edith as a spirit is very present to those of us who teach her work. And another student said, and I saw when you came down for your gentle landing, I saw this beautiful mantle of purple light just just uh, falling silkily onto your shoulders. and oh. So that was a moment for me. And the quality of who I was being in my work shifted after that. Yeah. And the reach of my work and the impact of my work continued to grow after that. And I love, I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. I feel a little foolish around the edges. Well, but the thing about what we're talking about with humility is that it, when you say taking your right place in the world, you know, God has a bigger idea than we do for, in many instances. And if you're holding back, it's kind of like you're saying to God, well, no, I, I think I know better than you. Right. And so that actually isn't humble. I think I'll play small. Okay, I think God? I'll play small. <laughs> yeah. And so humility is is allowing this flow to come through you in a really beautiful way. And I, I mean, I think our world needs all of us to do that. I think it does. And really, we don't want the daisy and the prairie to duck its head and hold back no, and don't. not bloom. We don't. And, <laughs> we don't. and God doesn't want us to do that either. Yeah. God doesn't want us to duck our head and refuse to bloom because we're afraid we're not going to get it perfect or we're, we're afraid we're not going to be the most amazing yeah. person ever that, that did this thing. It's just our turn for this thing. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous So story. go there. And you can't really overdo it. You know, yeah. <laughs> There's, I, I like to look to history and think of all the amazing souls that have been... Uh, emperors and inventors and counselors to the king and holy women and people that had humongous effect and influence that we don't even know their names anymore. Yeah. We don't even know half the names of the people that have brought great light to this planet. And I think that's what we do. We just we bring it, we offer it, we let it go, mm. and it does what it does. Cool. Well, I want to mention a few more things about you, Mary Hayes Greco. You're the author of two wonderful books, The New Kitchen Mystic, A Companion for Spiritual Explorers, and Unconditional Forgiveness, A Simple and Proven Method to Forgive Everyone and Everything. Mary's the director of the Midwest Institute for Forgiveness Training, and you've worked with people for more than 25 years. Your work has taken you all around the world. You've healed hearts, and you've helped people learn the steps of forgiveness uh, so that they can live lighter and brighter lives. And yes. It's wonderful. I, I claim this. <laughs> you do. I claim everything yeah. you just said. It's, it's all true. It's very powerful, <laughs> and the world is thirsty for it. So yeah. I'm so glad that you claimed Not what you do. Not holding back. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'd also like to acknowledge our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by the energy and attitude of unconditional love. Unconditional love is in ample supply. It's there for you and it wants you to thrive. And the new definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is releasing an expectation that's causing you to suffer. Pass it on. All right. So we've talked a lot about the point of this podcast is to help people master the tools of everyday enlightenment and how to learn lessons gracefully and master them for their own life situations. So I love how you have shared what you've learned from Edith in the past. and She was a master. Yeah. She was so amazing. And, you, and so ordinary. Okay. And so she just sort of exemplified humility, right? She did. She walked it. She walked it day and night. She was, she was the kind of person that, and I, and I learned more from her by living with her for yeah. nine or ten days at a time, a few times over in our life together as a mentor and a student. I would go and stay in her home with her for ten mm. days, and we'd do a lot of personal work with me, and I would help her teach, and I would study, and we would hang out and talk. And Edith is the kind of person who could, she could just get on the phone with the president of Yale <laughs> and tell him she had a favor to ask him for a student of hers in Africa mm-hmm. who had been studying psychosynthesis and was coming to the States and they needed an opportunity of some kind that Yale could provide. And she would talk to him like just like she was talking to the neighbor that she said hello to when she went out to her yard. She'd be cutting some spinach greens and poke salad weed and for lunch in, in her garden and a neighbor would go by and she'd wave a friendly hello and, and <laughs> chatter with him and and she would she was a gardener. She was always just gardening all the things that were hers. Mm-hmm. And she was completely unintimidated by people of any status. Mm. She could work with people who were uh, very important, in quotes, mm-hmm. and people who were uh, really down and out and mm-hmm. clumsy in their current expression. She had equality consciousness. She mm. could work with everybody with the same graceful seeing the good and how do I serve your need? Oh, how do I serve yeah. your need? That That's beautiful. And so this idea of serving people's needs, that was her understanding. That was of... a focus of hers. And I loved it. One time she and I were on traveling to uh, South Carolina or someplace, and uh, we were going to talk in a church full of people about forgiveness and do a workshop and whatnot. And, and uh, when our host picked us up, he says, oh, hey, and they hug and whatever. And she, and she says, I cannot wait to meet these people and serve their needs. <laughs> she said it like she had that that yeah. checkbook for a million dollars in her pocket that yeah. she knew she could just write checks on, that she could, she was going to help these people. Mm. And she had boundaries, too. I mean, she could say, oh, well, I don't want to talk right now, dear. Or she mm-hmm. could say, well, I don't, think, I don't think too much about doing that. I don't want to do that. She could say no, but she was just so in the flow of yes all the time. Cool. Yes. And I was really intrigued with, uh, I know she was doing meditations about serving my needs when I came as her student because she meditated every morning for a long time. But then she would just bring something up with me. We're making lunch and she'd say, well, you know, you and your husband are going to have to talk about that little thing, you know, and she would say the little thing that we have to talk about. And I would blush and I think, how did she know that? How did wow. she know that? Because she had been asking her intuition, what does Mary need to my help for today? 
So oh. she'd bring it up and we'd launch into this conversation about our sexuality. Okay, I'll say it. <laughs> about my sex life with my husband. You know, she'd just bring it up. Well, you know, you're going to have to work out that sex problem you guys are having. You know, like, oh. And then I thought, well, I came here for this. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm here for help. I'm here to, you know, heal my life. And this is a, this is a situation. So and we would just talk about it. And uh, so, so she would... She would uh, intuit, she would use her intuition to see how to serve someone's needs. And she knew that we had an yeah. open agreement, you know, as a, as a mentor. Well, and I, I love how she frames it, that serving people's needs as they show up, rather than what you, you know, what I might think you need. Or oh, what, what you need yeah. to do is this. You just got to stop anytime you say that to somebody, right? <laughs> you know what you need to do is this. It's like, just stop. Stop right there because you don't know. Oh. So, yeah, she would say, and this is kind of like in line with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. She would say, you need to serve people's needs the way they see them, mm. the way they have them, if it's practical. If it's practical for you to do that, because they're not going to move along to a higher level need that you are seeing while they are still hung up on this other need that they yeah. are seeing. They're not going to move along to, so maybe you have a, you know, you're going through a divorce and you have a, a teenager who's all uh, 13 and a half and we've all been there and very, very insecure and they really, really feel like they need, they can't think of anything else but they have to get a purple leather jacket because everybody's <laughs> got the purple leather jacket this year. And they're the only one that doesn't have the purple leather jacket. And they're saying, I need it. I need the purple leather jacket. I need it. And you're thinking, no, what you need is some therapy. You're mad at your dad. What you need is some better self-esteem. You should be able to be okay with yourself without that purple leather jacket. But they, they're not going to think, oh. oh, I'm insecure. I need therapy. They're going to think, I need the purple leather jacket. Yeah. Well, now, so the practical question is, can you get them the purple leather jacket? Do you have enough money? Is it a jacket that they will wear? Uh, is it something you can serve? Mm-hmm. Because that's really what they see. Well, if you can this time, and do it. You know, you get mm-hmm. them the purple leather jacket, and they get it. And two months later, they're not wearing it, and they want the, <laughs> the orange jacket. They want the, the orange shoes. And you say, you know, I, I, know you felt, I know you feel strongly about this, but... You know, I, I know I, a few months ago you really thought you were going to feel much more comfortable if you had this, and now it's, you could, and they might start asking themselves, hmm, I am kind of insecure. Well, maybe I need, maybe I do need to just feel comfortable with whatever we've mm-hmm. they They might ask themselves that question, or they might not. They or might they might just keep going. But what you're saying is you don't just impose what you see them needing. And right. It's so huge because you're really respecting everyone's path. Right. They're on their own path. And this is where intuition and humility play together. Yeah. Because, you know, some people might come to you uh, every month at the end of the month and ask for $10 because they ran their their check ran out or something. Yeah. And for a while you thought it was practical. You could, you could help them with that. And then after a while you felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and something in your intuition was saying, you know what? It's really, they really need to stand up and figure this out. You need to draw the line. Or it says, yeah, you got it. Give it to them. They'll, you know, it's not hurting. So sometimes when you serve people's needs the way they ask you, it's serving their highest good, and sometimes it isn't. Yeah. And how do we know? Right. We have to, we have to, to ask. ask. We oh, have gosh. to ask the intuition. And sometimes the guideline is just simply is like, well, can I? Do I have the time and the energy? So, yeah. So here's two examples. One is... 
you are on your way to a coffee shop mm-hmm. to um, spend an hour on Wednesday morning. And your intention is to look over your calendar, write in your journal, make a phone call that's important, and think about the rest of uh, the month. You want to go there and think. So you go there and you meet someone who you care about, mm-hmm. an acquaintance you care about, who's in a crisis and wants to talk mm. about this big mm-hmm. breakup they're going through. Can you listen to them, Aaron, right then? It, you know, that's a great question. This Something like this just happened to me recently. <laughs> and I, I had to kind of, I kind of just was like, what should I do? I ended up actually sitting with the person and listening to them. Right. And I felt good about that decision because it seemed like the right thing. Like they needed that. You and had I, I could rearrange my schedule. You were able to rearrange your yeah, schedule. You and were I, able to make that space and time. Right. But I was holding myself accountable to not do it and be resentful. I was right. holding myself accountable to like, okay, if if this is something you can do, do it, serve, fine. Right. Did I do it right? <laughs> I, I think I'd give you an A on that because you were able to be flexible and you yeah. were holding yourself accountable to hmm, can I do this without resentment or not? That is a great guideline for our boundaries. If we feel resentment, we've crossed the line. We're we're not (laughs) not in good shape. Right. So, so, but if I was that person and I was going there and I I bumped into this person and my time was very tight and I was feeling a little stressed about my lack of clarity around my month of of things and I really needed to have a meeting with myself, I would have to look at that person in the eyes and tell them a beautiful, happy no. Yeah. I said, oh, gosh, I see that. Wow, that sounds really intense. You know, I would love to be supportive of you, and I know I know that you're going to get through this. I can't talk right now. I'm so sorry. I can't talk right now. I've got to, some things I've got to um, work out in the next hour. But good luck. Yeah. You know, and that is... That's very gracious. Yeah, well, that's that's a love with a boundary. Yeah. It's a lo- it's a loving no, but maybe I'm feeling open. Like you know, I had some more openness that day, and I go there and I see this person, and I think, oh man, they need to talk. Yeah, they need to talk. You know, if I just sit here for twenty twenty five minutes and listen, and nod and care, that will help them. Yeah. They will process something. And yeah. you know what? I I really went. I'm not doing anything right. Yeah. Right now I can do that. I can offer that. So so the humble service is to say, oh, well, you want to tell me some more about that? I got a little time. And you sit and you can listen. It, I love hearing you describe all these different situations because what comes across to me is that there's, there's kind of a quietness. There's a subtlety to this. And I, I actually really just love being in that energy of the hum, humility around it'll it'll reveal itself you know what you need to do will reveal itself oh yeah like i'm part of something right now i stepped into something i'm part of something right now that's unfolding for this person or this group or whatever and let me just be present and see if i have a part to play what's my rightful place in this situation cool i want to tell you a a, a little practice thing i did when i was i was you know when i when i get across a notion that i love and, I, and yeah. humility is one of them. I, I love to just try it out and practice yeah. it and, and uh-huh. see what see what's true about all that. So when I was uh, in love with this notion of serving people's needs the way they have them, if it's practical, I was practicing on all these little situations. And I mentioned one uh, a few podcasts back when I ended up teaching a class that it, I didn't plan on teaching because oh, I yeah. could. Yeah. The people wanted to learn 
how to make friends. And so I threw away my curriculum and served their need to help them make friends instead of teaching about self-discipline. So that's, that was one of those experiments during that era. But I had another one, which was I was on vacation um, in Chicago visiting my family, and I was with my three-year-old, and we were going to go out to breakfast. And she was at the stage uh, where the kid always has that particular bunny or teddy oh, yeah. with them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> got to have the bunny or the teddy. This was the rainbow bunny. So the rainbow bunny was the, the creature of the trip. And so we went out in the car. And I was also teaching Tara at the time about energy, recognizing, do you like this energy or you don't like this energy? I like this energy. I don't like this energy. I was teaching her that. So we go into this cafe, and I'm standing there. I'm waiting for a seat. And it just feels really uh, hot and greasy and thick mm-hmm. with, like, crabbiness. Oh, it felt yeah. like the, the cook was crabby, the waitress was crabby. Yeah. There was plenty of room, but, but, and, I, and they could serve us right away, and they, they kind of came and crabbily sat us right, yeah. right in a hurry, like they were in a hurry. Yeah. And I sat down, and Tara was sitting there, uh, and she, she had her bunny there, and she began to play with the bunny near the little plant, you know. Or, and, or, no, she had the bunny next to her on the seat. And I was sitting there, and after, I just felt like, oh, man, I... I don't like this place. I want to go somewhere else. I'm, yeah. not, I'm on vacation. I want to enjoy my breakfast. I said, yeah. you know, honey, I, I just feel like I want to go somewhere else. And she said in her loud three-year-old voice, yeah, me too, mommy. I don't like the energy of this place either. I thought, oh, <laughs> oh well. So we got up and left. We went to another cafe two blocks away, and we sat down, and oh, it was nice. It was felt oh, good, clear, open breakfast time. And she realized she had left her bunny Uh-oh. behind at the other cafe. At the Krabby Cafe. At the Krabby Cafe. And she was devastated. I said, oh, honey, we'll, you know, we'll go back and get it when it's done. She goes, no, no, because my bunny's alone. Uh-oh. My bunny's alone. I don't want him to be in that place by himself. And I'm like, well, you know, we'll just be having breakfast here and be half an hour, like a three-year-old knows about yeah. half an hour, half an hour, and then we'll go get him. No, Mommy, no, because, look, I wanted the bunny to play here by this plant, and I wanted to tell my bunny a story, and I wanted, and she could not get off the bunny. And she could not, and we had ordered our eggs and bacon oh. already, and so the order was in, and I thought to myself, she really needs that bunny yeah. to have a good time. Yeah. And I need... Her to, be her to be happy. happy to have a good time. I'm on vacation. This is breakfast. So I told the waitress, you know what? Um, we'll be right back. When the food comes out, just bring it bring it over. We'll be right back. We left her bunny at this other place. <laughs> she said, sure. So we got in the car, went back two blocks, got the bunny. He kind of sheepishly went in and out real fast, got the bunny, came back, sat down, and she played for an hour, and I read a magazine, and it was peace. Oh. And I just thought, I like this. Yeah. I like serving my child's need, uh, if it's practical. Now, the way you and I grew up, I don't think our parents no. would have like gotten up and gotten in the car and gone back to get the bunny. They would have said, oh, don't cry about that. It's not such a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> We'll get it later. But I was practicing. I was practicing <laughs> humble service, so that was fun. It turned out well. I love that. But my parents actually did once go back for a suitcase oh. full of Barbie dolls. Well, We were on suitcase. our way to Denmark where we lived for a while, and we left the suitcase full of Barbie dolls at, at the hotel when we went to the train station. Oh. And my dad ran and broke into a sweat oh, but I the whole thing was how dad. could they have three girls without Barbie dolls oh that's true that's true <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it was a suitcase emergency it was a suitcase emergency but as a parent that's it's always hard to discern like when do you step in and do something way out of your way and when do you say no and so it's just this subtle because sometimes no things. is the gift 
Yeah, sometimes, sometimes no, no is, is the, the learning. Right. And this is where we pair up <sighs> our practicing around humility with our practicing with intuition. Oh, I love it. It's it's so helpful, Mary, to explore all this. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so Wonderful. welcome. I love it. <laughs> well, we are happy that you've been joining us listening to this podcast. We love sharing this journey with everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. You have been listening to the Life Gets Better Now podcast with Mary Hayes Greco. Many thanks to our sound engineer, Daniel Zamzow. I'm producer Aaron Warhol. And I'm Mary Hayes Greco. Thanks for joining us. 